0: During my early formation, while studying St. Benedict's rule with Father Brendan, he observed that when St. Benedict starts to repeat himself, it is time to take note. The repetition signals that the topic is of greater importance to the father of monks, a point he doesn't want us to miss or that he expects will cause some difficulty. In general, it is a good interpretive principle to keep in mind. If a boss or a spouse brings something up repeatedly, it indicates they considered the matter important. The liturgy is no exception. Liturgical repetition should make us sit up and take note and ask what we may have missed that the Church needs to tell us again. With this in mind, what do we make of today's gospel? Since Christmas Day, we have heard St. John's prologue proclaimed three times. Three times in a mere nine days. That is an impressive liturgical density. This suggests that despite not mentioning any of the traditional imagery of stable, manger, angel choirs, or awestruck shepherds, this passage goes to the very heart of the meaning of Christmas. The repetition may also indicate that we are likely to misunderstand what is being communicated. The word became flesh, announces the evangelist. But, That is not a dry historical fact, or a purely intellectual proposition, or a premise of speculative theology unrelated to daily existence. It has consequences. It has the power to illuminate our understanding of the world and the relationship between God and man, even to make us sons of God. How so? You may recall that John tells us that the law was given through Moses, The logic that leads John to mention Moses is not immediately obvious. We need to recall the larger context, that the story of Moses in the book of Exodus is not about how the Hebrews were led out of bondage in Egypt so that God could give them a bunch of rules. The story of the giving of the law is more accurately the story of how God established his dwelling place in the midst of his chosen people. The culmination of Exodus is not the reception of the tablets of the Decalogue, but instead the construction and consecration of the tabernacle as the place where God's presence dwelt among them. John echoes that event when he says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God tabernacling with his people was a true grace. But in the Nativity, we have been given a greater grace, grace in place of grace, as St. John says, The incarnation is the definitive fulfillment of what Moses in the tabernacle prefigured, that God desires to dwell with his people that he has chosen as his own, and by dwelling with us, to set us free from sin. John makes another allusion that deepens the meaning further. This is easier to see if we do not think of the word becoming flesh as a transformation, but instead as an espousal. The Advent liturgy makes extensive use of the image of Christ as a bridegroom as it prepares us to celebrate Christmas, so we are on solid ground to do so. In the book of Genesis, we find it written that a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. St. Paul will comment on this, that no man hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the Church. It is not that God has become a man, but that in becoming flesh, the Word has espoused all mankind to God as his own beloved possession forever. As Jesus warns the Pharisees, what God has joined together, let man not put asunder. Brethren, the Word has become flesh. In the babe of Bethlehem, we see our frailty and imperfection espoused by God in an indissoluble covenant. He has come to dwell in our midst because he cherishes us, to nourish us and bless us with his presence. It is no long-ago historical event, but a daily renewed reality given us especially here in the Mass, where we see the grace and truth of our Lord, who continues to come to claim us as sons of God.